For remote participants, please note that the ringing of cell phones can still happen virtually and is still prohibited. Please ensure your device is silenced. Public comment will be available for each item on the agenda. For comments on matters that are not on the agenda, there will be an opportunity for general public comment. Participants to wish to comment in person will be asked to come forward one by one and speak clearly into the mic. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to speak. Members of the public participating remotely may comment by calling into the meeting. Opportunities to speak during the public comment period are available via phone by calling 415-655-0001, entering access code 2590-043-4777, and the meeting password SFGOV via dial-in, that's SFGOV. Once connected, dial star 3 to be added to the speaker queue. Best practices are to call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and silence any other devices. Alternatively, members of the public may submit public comment by email to environment at sfgov.org. Comments submitted via email will be forwarded to the members and will be included as part of the official file. I will now call the roll. Chair Sullivan? Here. Vice Chair Crawford? Here. Member Lachin? Here. Member Vese Pavel? Here. Member Nagel? Here. Member Social Flores is excused. Member Sullivan? Here. Member Spiegelman? Present. Member Salvadori? Here. Member Trang? Here. Member Potter is excused. Member Stringer? Here. Chair Sullivan, we have a quorum. All right. Um, for uh, the next item, just uh, welcome. I uh, thanks everyone for making it out um, and in person. Um, it's awesome to have quorum before we even open the door. So that's always good. Uh, it's been a while, I think, since we've met. So um, uh, I think we're still, I think everyone's still trying to get back in the groove of being in person. <laughs> so we've got a couple of uh, interesting things to talk about today. Um, looking forward to hearing from Cal Fire. And Nick's going to give us a couple of updates. Um, so hopefully we can, this was a prelude to like lots more in person and easy quorums coming up. So, uh, Jesus, do you want to read the? Um, uh, land acknowledgement. Yeah, do you mind? Or Kyle, I'm not sure how. Maybe you had that handy. I'm happy to read it. Yeah, uh, sorry. Um, the Urban Forestry Council acknowledges that we occupy the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone peoples, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. We wish to pay our respects to the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community, and to affirm their sovereign rights as first peoples. We honor the Ramatush Ohlone for their enduring commitment to steward Mother Earth. We recognize that the Ramatush Ohlone have lived in harmony with nature for millennia, and that to achieve a truly ecologically sustainable future for San Francisco, we must embrace indigenous traditional ecological knowledge and how we care for the city's lands, waters, and all its people. Thank you, Ken. Okay, next item. Um, we'll just have to go to public comment first. Uh, members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should now press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it is your turn to speak. And while I'm displaying the public comment card for those participating remotely, if we do have anyone uh, present in the meeting room today who wish to make a public comment on this item, please walk up to the speaker podium. And we'll just pause for another moment while the access code and password is displayed on the screen.
and see no colleagues in the queue. Public comment on this item is closed. Next item. All right, the next item is item three, adoption of minutes of the March 24, 2023 Urban Forestry Council meeting. The explanatory document is the March 24, 2023 meeting draft minutes. This item is for discussion and action. Move to adopt. A second. <laughs> we get a second. Yeah. 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 Nice. Uh, members of the public in the meeting room may comment on this item by approaching the speaker podium and seeing none, we'll proceed to remote public comment. Members of the public who wish to make a public comment on this item should now press star three to be added to the queue. For those already in hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it's your turn to speak. And seeing no callers in the queue, public comment on this item is closed. Uh, with the chair's permission, I'll call the roll. Chair Sullivan? Um, aye. Vice Chair Crawford? Aye. Member Lachin? Aye. Member Rese Favell? Aye. Member Nagel? Aye. Member Social Flores is excused. Member Sullivan? Aye. Member Spiegelman? Aye. Member Salvadori? Aye. Member Trang? Aye. Member Potter is excused. Member Stringer? Aye. And the motion passes. Next, uh, right, the next item is item four, general public comment. Members of the public may address the council matters that are within the council's jurisdiction and are not on today's agenda. Members of the public in the meeting room may now comment on this item by approaching the speaker podium. And seeing none, we'll proceed to remote public comment. Members of the public participating remotely wish to make a public comment on this item should now press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it's your turn to speak. And seeing no callers in the queue, we'll proceed to the next item. The next item is item five, review and vote on whether to approve resolution file 2023-03-UFC, resolution amending the Urban Forestry Council bylaws article eight. The speaker is Jesus Lozano, Urban Forestry Council coordinator. Explanatory documents are resolution file 2023-03-UFC and Urban Forestry Council bylaws to be adopted. This item is for discussion and action. Thank you, Kyle. Um, so this one's pretty simple. Um, there's some updates that I think are important, particularly for our committee's article in the bylaws. Um, and this will be um, the first change. Sorry. Um, we'll, if, if you have any questions, read it. Um, the next slide, please. Um, <clears throat> it's just to allow for uh, the council chair to appoint a temporary uh, committee member. Um, just so that we're able to make quorum uh, when one of the few uh, committee members are not able to attend. And uh, the second slide, please. Uh, the second one is a little bit more complicated, but um, similarly, just to make things a lot easier, uh, really, this is just updating the uh, meeting location for the um, <clears throat> two committees uh, from 
the previous meeting location here um, in City Hall to um, 1155 Market Street, which is SFE's offices, as uh, we're no longer able to secure the room for for the committees here in this building, um, and it has proven a bit difficult to find different different locations as as we move forward to returning to in person. That's that's really the two big changes. I'm hoping that that makes it a lot easier for us all to to meet more regularly. Yeah. A friendly question for Jesus for the second change where we're specifying the the address do we have to do that could we leave that out entirely i'm guessing the answer is probably we have to yeah i was encouraged to leave a, at least the address and then that's why i added room to be announced so it could be at a different location in the okay. on site yeah my thought was just to leave the address off entirely in case we have trouble securing the room at SFE. It just we've had we've had that like different committees have met at different locations based on where we can like right. Facility. And so if, if we left the yeah. address yeah. off entirely, then we would never be in conflict with bylaws. But maybe that's not allowed. So I, yeah, that's or, the part I don't know. <laughs> sorry, we're supposed to have a regular meeting location, um, and so I narrowed it down to the SFE offices, and and then from there, depending on what rooms are available. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you. I had a question about the slide for the meeting rooms. Yeah. Um, on the screen, it looked like you kept the language about meeting at City Hall for landmark trees. Yeah, sorry. In the resolution file and in the updated um, uh, the updated bylaws, um, the that language is crossed out. I right. don't know why when I copied it over onto the slide. Got it. Didn't copy the formatting. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for checking that. Any other? Moved it up. <laughs> if there's no other um, question, <laughs> did, you, did you move? No, no, please. I, I don't want to cut short the debate. I'll move approval. And then I'll second. Okay. Can we do a public comment? Yeah. Are there any members of the public in the room today who wish to comment on this item? Seeing none, we'll proceed to remote public comment. <laughs> Members of the public participating remotely who wish to comment on this item should now press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it is your turn to speak. Seeing no callers in the queue, public comment on this item is closed. Uh, with the chair's permission, I'll call the roll. Yeah, please. Chair Sullivan? Aye. Vice Chair Crawford? Aye. Member Lachin? Aye. Member Vesey Favell? Aye. Member Nagel? Aye. Member Social Flores is excused. Member Sullivan? Aye. Member Spiegelman? Aye. Member Salvadori? Aye. Member Trang? Aye. Member Potter is excused. Member Stringer? Aye. And the motion passes. All right, the next item is item six, presentation and discussion on small project funding opportunity from CAL FIRE. The speaker is Tanner Marr, Regional Urban Forester, CAL FIRE. This is a discussion item.
Am I required to speak into the mic for the online folks, or how does that? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just put it. I have a loud voice. For people. Yeah, my name is Tanner Marr with Cal Fire. I'm the regional urban forester for the Bay Area and the North Coast. My predecessor was James Shide, Jimmy Shide, excuse me. I'm not sure what his involvement was with this council, but I guess it's been a couple years since we've had a representative show up. A lot of people, I'm not sure what your exposure to Cal Fire is or our program. A lot of people know us as a fire agency, but we have a large natural resource management division. Housed under that division is the urban and community forestry program. That program, our basic objective is to increase urban forest canopy cover in California. And my role there is to connect uh, the people in the field, the people that are actually doing the work with state resources. And that's primarily funding, um, also some basic technical assistance. A little bit about me. I was born in San Francisco, spent a lot of my childhood here. Um, have a lot of family that still live here, so I definitely intend to be an advocate for the city's needs, your objectives, your concerns uh, within our program, and then at the state level, whatever possible. So I wanna talk about two grant programs that we have available, or funding opportunities that we have available. One, someone back up. So actually, we just had a green schoolyards school green schoolyards grant program uh, that we just were processing applications for that right now. I think there was a number of applicants from San Francisco. Hopefully that goes positive. That actually kind of replaced our traditional grant program that generally happens in the spring. That grant program is being pushed back to the fall and that is funded from federal IRA funding. That's gonna be about $30 million. That is, it's called our general grant program. It's not a real creative name, but basically that entails a couple of grant types. So there's urban forest expansion and improvement, urban forest management and planning. School, there's also gonna be school greening in that just for the heck of it. There's gonna be workforce development and past, there's been a lot of past projects in San Francisco, primarily through Friends of the Urban Forest. So uh, those grant types are actively, uh, are current, currently active within the city, and hopefully uh, we can get some more applicants for that uh, funding in the fall. More details are of, on that are gonna be released. Again, that's all approximate. We were supposed to have this program back in the spring, but that got pushed back. I, we don't anticipate that happening this time. Our second funding opportunity, and that's kind of, that's really what I wanted to come here and talk about. I'm here to drum up business for this, is CAL FIRE, we're consistently having random funding opportunities kind of come across our desk. And these funding opportunities have a lot of different uh, requirements, whether it's different expiration dates, different project types. And we're, because we don't necessarily have a project bank ready to uh, stick on those funding sources. It's, it's a lot of the times it's, it's said, okay, we have a pot of money. We need to spend it quickly. That's how it's told to us. So, um, we're kind of looking to create a project, a bank of projects that we can pull from when that funding becomes available um, and mesh the two together. This funding is available on a rolling basis. Again, expiration dates throughout the year. And when I say expiration date, I'm talking about the money uh, needs to be fully invoiced by then. I'm gonna step, there's general guidelines that we're looking for with this funding. 
but you know, so there's technically a box that we have to stay in, but just for the sake of the discussion, we're really open to any ideas, anything. Uh, the, the, objective of, the objective of our program is to kind of push the bounds of urban forestry in California. So it's, you know, not to toss out a bunch of buzzwords, but, you know, we're looking for innovative projects that, uh, you know, push what people just don't generally think of urban forestry. Uh, and specifically related to uh, solutions like basin size requirements. I know that's been a big one with San Francisco and Cal Fire is we have a requirement for 30, we have a requirement that all trees that we fund or that are involved in projects that we fund uh, be planted in no less than 30 square feet of a basin, which is a challenge in San Francisco because you have really small sidewalks and trying to abide by ADE requirements, et cetera. I've had a lot of discussions with uh, people throughout the community here about that and projects, and I'm using this as an example, we would happily fund a project that would seek to meet that goal, but that would also um, work with you guys and what you have. So if there's some kind of engineered solution, I was trying to do some research before this, but apparently there are engineered solutions out there that are expensive, um, but they can solve a problem like that. So Igor's shaking his head. So yeah, we're, we're even if this increases the cost per tree, you know, to whatever, $5,000 a tree, we're happy to fund stuff like that. Uh, again, general themes on our special project funding, uh, projects that kickstart urban forest successes, innovative projects, maintenance, although we don't necessarily, we won't fund maintenance or we won't fund projects that subplant existing responsibilities or obligations, but we will fund projects that kickstart that. So for example, on a maintenance issue, if I just dealt with this the other day, if we, if you have a maintenance need, we won't necessarily, you know, fund the contracting to meet that need, but we'd fund uh, one year of a permanent position for that uh, maintenance need, you know, maybe plus some equipment. So just some ideas, examples to get the ball, to get people thinking of the kind of projects we're looking for. Also big ones, statewide or projects that have statewide or regional impact. That includes education and then collaboration is a, a big one on that. Uh, this council is an example of collaboration and why you need collaboration in urban forestry. There's a lot of different stakeholders, even within government, there's a lot of different departments that touch urban forestry. Um, and then it, even in San Francisco, you know, I, I don't know, you probably have tens, if not hundreds of different nonprofits, each dealing with their own sector and geographic area. So if there's, we'd be happy to uh, kickstart or help or fund an organization, collaborative efforts, that kind of thing. And then also for special project funding, anything that's too small on our general grant program, we'd be happy to take a look at. So. Uh, our, our generally, our, our general grant program typically has minimums those that are about $150,000 to $200,000 per project. If you have a project that's $30,000 in one neighborhood, um, that would be something that we would look at for special project funding. And I want to take the opportunity, I had a couple conversations with people in different organizations in the city and some concerns that came up were again basin size which i'm working on 
I realize Cal Fire is not the only funder of trees in the city. We do fund a lot. I'm trying to get leeway and uh, see what we can do on the Cal Fire end. I can say that we're not hard on the 30 square feet in terms of surface area. If we can increase volume, if there's a, if there are ways of increasing tree or plant basin planter basin volume, um, those are all good things. And then, of course, I had a good conversation with Jesus about native plants and ecological values the other day. That's something that we're going to try to integrate into our grant guidelines coming up in the fall. Maybe place more of an emphasis on uh, selecting trees that serve more purpose other than, you know, carbon sequestration, large stature trees. Those have traditionally been valued by our program because they provide obvious benefits, but we're going to look at placing a heavier emphasis on ecological value, wildlife habitat, things like that. So that discussion is in play. Action items, again, I'm here to drum up business. I'm here to find good quality projects for our program. I have a bias being from the Bay Area. I love this area and I'd love to see some of that money go here. And then in addition, I was talking with a grantee today actually in the East Bay they're just starting off in a city that doesn't have a lot of canopy cover. Uh, they're struggling in terms of trying to find models and build their policies and procedures to create a tree planting movement. San Francisco is kind of a model city for that. It may not feel like that. I'm sure you guys are well aware of your challenges and everything, but you're more advanced than a lot of uh, surrounding communities. And so if anybody's willing to step into a mentorship role or offer advice or feels like they're in a position to help other organizations, um, let me know and I'd be more than happy to connect you with those uh, organizations that are struggling. And that's the end of report. Thank you. Thank you. Can we ask one? Yeah, I got the question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so is that I would, one question, the 30 million that you mentioned for the kind of a general general grant fund, is that uh, statewide, right? Statewide, correct. Yeah, okay. And then um, I know you mentioned that kind of 150, 200 as kind of like a typical kind of minimum. Um, with this other kind of bank of projects that you're talking about, is that still the kind of range or is there like a variability in the project type, like small, when you're saying small projects, what are you thinking about as far as like kind of size and, and Sure. Dollar? Yeah, again, we're open to anything, it's flexible, but What's nice about that special project funding is that can be small. Obviously, we have a bias towards bigger projects that's easier to administer and gets the money out quicker. Yeah. But like I said, even ten thousand, three thirty thousand dollars, you know, that's we're willing to look at that. Yeah, just I think there would be like uh, opportunities with community groups and other kind of smaller groups throughout the city that would probably have, you know, smaller asks that you know, I think to a couple hundred thousand dollars or more. Probably right. more of like a of like a city partner or something like that, that I would guess, but or a fuff, but you know, just curious. Yeah, that's exactly who we have in mind for the smaller uh, amounts. And also, it's it is easier for us to work with an existing grantee on, in, in terms of the paperwork. It just if we have a pro, if we have funding that really needs to get out the door really quickly, the paperwork is just uh, way easier. So even if it's an existing organization, like we have a grant with the city of San Francisco just to tack on 
if they, you know, if they said, you know, we just need $30,000 and we can go this much further, you know, we'd be happy to tack on mm -hmm. some funding for that. So, um, okay. Yeah. And I, I, you know, Jimmy used to come, I think he would come to the council, like at least once a year, maybe a couple of times a year and talk about some of the funding stuff and about some of the programs and, you know, just keep us in the loop of what's going on with Cal Fire. So I appreciate having you back and looking forward to like having some, having you uh, back on, you know, with some regularity. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I got a question for you. I worked with uh, Steve Richmond and uh, the Forester down in Happen Bay for a long time because the Springs watershed. Um, you being the Forester for Cal Fire now, what what is Cal Fire's um, thoughts on the wildland urban interface in San Francisco, and would they be interested in getting a foothold in some of our open space areas where we don't have a safe buffer zone? Would that be something that a grant would be applicable to? And does Cal Fire even recognize the WUI interface in San Francisco, or is it just surrounding counties? Right. Yes, we, I can't speak for that program. I don't work in that grant program. I was in the East Bay today and I was talking with a forester in a WUI area, Morega. I'm not sure how that compared, how that WUI interface compares to this. I know they were funded by Cal Fire to put in uh, various fuel reductions. So, yeah, they certainly, and I know they do a ton of projects throughout the East Bay. Yeah. So would Cal Fire be interested in doing a WUI project in San Francisco or is San Francisco not considered a wildland urban interface locale? Yeah, I, I can't speak on their definition of what is and what is not WUI. I'm sure it w would. I mean, maybe give me an idea. Are we talking like San Bruno? I know there's that state park that encompasses the mountain there. Is that something you're... Yeah, no, it's not San Bruno Mountain, but we've got 50 to 75 acre parcels in San Francisco that are native grassland, native vegetation with a wooey interface with residential homes where we've got encroachment there, but potentially we would want to do a setback of vegetation right. on existing homes. Right. Yeah, I'd be more than happy to connect you with the person, the relevant persons and yeah, find out. Like I said, I haven't dealt with any kind of fuels reductions on that end. What is the the woo? I don't know. I don't know what the wildland sorry. urban interface. Wildland. Wildland urban interface. Urban interface. But you were saying another like woo we or something. Woo we. Woo we. Woo we. W U I. Wildland urban. And thank you. Other questions, you know. So I think it will. I think like we always think about cutting trees and all that stuff, but um, you know, uh, will is there any way that some of the program will incorporate maybe silver cell, maybe not planting the trees, but in addition that some major project or small project or anything that they may not be able to afford, you know, the bassins. And so if we get some funding for the silver cell, we have the ability to get some better trees in the ground so i think you know, there's not a lot of civil cell being put in the city in the city in country of san francisco you know civil cell is just like one brand but it's the other brand now it's basically created those cells so the roots are not compacted inside, inside the sidewalk so you know um i know one exists in fall street in the city um that was put for one of the new building ucsf campus that's the only one i know that was put on but it's very expensive. Mm. Like really expensive. I'm curious how expensive you mean. I'm very expensive. Very expensive. Yeah. yeah. And so 
And so because all the engineering bring this and everything and all that stuff now, um, and so I'm sure there's other large and small project in the city in San Francisco that know they should be putting those type of equipment in the soil, in the underground to have the tree grow their roots better and crack the sidewalk less because it's also positive on the sidewalk, you know? Um, so is that maybe something that Cal Fire is about to look into, you know, into some of this program, you know, it's outside of the box, you know? Uh, Right. Yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly the kind of thing we're thinking of. And I'm sure that's probably what Walter had in mind when I was speaking with him about this. Yeah, I, I'd have to, I'm not familiar with it myself, but I appreciate you bringing that up. And I was trying to do a Google search on this the other day and it just was not getting, coming up with good results. But I, so I if I could, I was just going to say, you would want a project, right? You would, what you're looking for is a proposal, right? So for somebody like Morgan or Nick to say, hey, we've got this 10 spots where we want to plant trees, but we would need to install suspended pavement, one system or another. Here's how much it would cost. Is that, am I getting about the right idea of what, what it is you're sort of suggesting here? Exactly. Yeah. Looking for projects. Yeah. A one to three page, specifically a one to three page proposal and a budget. Thank you. So Hey, I just wanted to give a couple locations for examples of of silva cells, but 1155 market uh, about a month ago, they dug that up as a test site for a, a silva cell. It's part of the better market street project between 5th and 8th street, uh, but it's 1155 market across from union or UN Plaza. Uh, the building is the lighthouse building and you can check out like what it looks at a surface level. But also uh, around 49 South Van Ness, that intersection of um, South Van Ness and Mission, that new building was a public-private partnership. We've got office, city offices there. By the way, I'm I'm with Urban Forestry and Public Works. Um, but the that whole area is suspended pavement. If you wanted to check that out, what's ironic about it is the building management keeps pruning the trees to stay very small, so defeating some of the benefits. <laughs> That's funny. Of having that tremendous soil volume that, uh, we, but we're talking to them about it. But uh, obviously, like that, that's the idea. But uh, those are some examples, and I, I love that. I, I think there there may be some instances where folks may not have the budget to include uh, su suspended soil in their plans, but if they were were able to get support to um, fund that, we could see it more often. Sure, appreciate bringing it down. I'll have to check that out. My question. Hi. Um, so, first of all, the, the second grant, what is the name of the grant? The so second. You said there are two. One is the, the, um, the one coming up in the fall, and then the other one of the Bangkok projects. Which one is that? I call it our special projects funding. They're not, it's not an official RFP or anything. And it's in the fall as well? That's on a rolling basis. So rolling ba okay. any idea, just send my email. Okay. And is there a place where we can look up all these criteria and just request for the grant, like the criteria and the guidelines? Uh, they're not publicly available okay. and I doubt they'll put it on our website. Cause like I said, it's not an official grant program, but I'm more than happy to email 
and send a lot of emails about this and okay yeah because so you're looking also you can uh, fund community projects if there is a substantial number of community projects you would be interested in that not just city uh, partnerships with communities you're, you're funding with yep. this I presume when you say community projects, you're talking yeah. about small, smaller Smallish, but you know, still a collaborative partnership between nonprofits and the city, um, especially in the equity areas like um, downtown. You know, we have, we have a big project in the Tenderloin that we are working with. We have 20 plus projects, they're all community based, and they're all happening at the same time. So you were mentioning that you can get the funding attached to existing funding if available. Right. Yeah. Apologize. I didn't catch that last part, but yeah, we would be happy to fund uh, community. Yeah, smaller projects, collaboration. Okay. So maybe it sounds like if if someone is interested, we need to contact you to get more guidelines and a conversation going. Is that okay? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And I'm I'm happy. Unlike our general grant program, where I generally can't, you know, I can't design a project for you, but on this. Yeah, I'm more than happy to do feedback back and forth and yeah, yeah, we can do this. We can't do this. Let's build a project. Yeah, I think there's probably lots of small groups around the city that are, you know, looking a lot of small groups around the city. They're looking for look to the city for kind of funding and kind of help and organizing. You know, they might not they might have a lot of people interested in a, in a given neighborhood, but they don't necessarily have but this, a lot of money. But these are also organized. Right. So yeah. That's why it's more appealing. It's not going to be like random groups. It's just more like an effort that's happening at the same time. So it's already funded, but we're looking for more greening and we're working also with other agencies here at the city to collaborate. So you're also looking at uh, basin expansion, not just trees, right? Also sidewalk gardens. Are you open to that? Trees are ideal, yeah. but yes, we're open to sidewalk okay. gardens, other okay. items like that. Cool. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I have a potential project to throw, throw at you and see what your reaction is. So this would be Please. In, a, in a San Francisco park. It would be a removal of aging blue gums, probably fire prone, and replacing them with native California trees, riparian area, kind of adjacent and partially to residential areas. Could that, could that be a project? The removal, right? Let me make sure. Removing eucalyptus or red, removing blue gum eucalyptus. Blue gum eucalyptus. Thank you. And replanting with native trees. We would fund that. We funded projects similar to the path. That's actually a pretty consistent element or pretty consistent theme in a lot of the projects we fund is removing dead trees and then planting new trees. We won't fund the removal side. We'll fund the <laughs> the more fun side, which is the tree planting side. Mm -hmm. But again, we're happy to work with you. That probably won't work if you would. Gotcha. Got expensive part is the removal, so that's what. Right. Yeah. Part. But back to Mr. Spiegelman's comment about uh, fire risk and WUI and our other grant programs, we have funded. In the East Bay eucalyptus removal, so you know, that potentially could be something because of the fire hazard. So, I think we should. Sorry, I think we should bring folks from Cal Fire who work on on the fuel reduction side. Just tell us what they do. Yeah, my counterpart in the area would be happy to tag them in. Yeah, I agree too. Yeah. Yeah, um, there's a fair amount of federal land in San Francisco. Do you would you support federal land funding? I can't say I've come across that yet. That question of 
where the tree is planted would be planted on federal ground. I'd have to get back to you on that. I know you'd have to deal with, I'm not sure the NEPA requirements, you know, you'd have to, it's almost like a different set of regulations you have to deal with. Well, wouldn't necessarily be a concern of our program as long as it was met. I'd have to get back to you on that. Okay. And then um, when it comes to innovation, are you guys thinking about aggregating innovative technologies for improvement for urban treescapes, for, for instance? We we've talked a lot about the cost of irrigating within the city and and that is an extraordinary expense that hope and innovation would would be greatly beneficial on. And so I, I'm not sure if you have if Cal Fire has thought about that in, in terms of the funding opportunities and um, if you if you have any insight into that. Good question. Good comment. New I can see that as. If that were packaged with, let's say, oh, we're going to plant 50 trees and we're going to try this new irrigation technique to reduce the cost or whatever, increase tree mortality or decrease tree mortality in the long term, I think that's something we would be open to. Maybe outright irrigation research, maybe not. But if, if, if it's a proposal you feel strongly about, I take all these proposals and I present them to our team. So happy to. Thank you, Becky, on that. One thing that we've seen work really well uh, is an example like Valencia Street, where they did a streetscape project and planted trees with irrigation. And you can see the size of those uh, trees is just far outpacing uh, what what we would get if we were to water them with a truck okay. uh, or have a volunteer or watering organization or something like that. Uh, so if, if we were setting a goal for carbon sequestration or large um, uh, carbon mitigation, I think watering could be a way to propel some of those results. Yeah, I think that would be a great argument too, to stick in a grant proposal. We're requesting this much more funding versus the typical tree planting because of this new you know, irrigation technique, but our greenhouse gas sequestration is doubling. I think that'd be a really good argument. So I recently sent our colleague Jennifer Cooper your way. Did did you hear? Um, have you been in touch with Jennifer? I did speak with her. I spoke about her project, and I brought that in front of our team. Great. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, I don't know if I can speak on Jennifer's project. Well, we can talk about it afterwards. But yeah, but uh, <laughs> I, I think um, it, like your your engagement with us has been uh, appreciated. Thanks for coming. Uh, I think the the more we can build these bridges, the better. Uh, one thing I keep thinking about is how Cal Fire has been the backbone of, of an organization like FUF for a long time, and it's uh, really paved the way for a lot of opportunities for tree planting and career workforce development, things like that. So I, I think that over the years, as the program has shifted, it, it can be hard for those nonprofits to like change along with it. So it, it's moved into more planting in specific um, census blocks that meet the the Cal Enviro score requirements, which I think we can all agree there's fantastic reasoning behind focusing on those those areas and correcting decades, centuries of inequities. Uh, but but how to keep that with the volunteer program I think is is tough, and then moving towards 
some of the other things with um, silver cells or suspended pavement or much larger basins um, can make it even harder for for those groups. And we don't have a representative from Puff on the council. Fingers crossed that will happen. But I, I do think of them and just wanted to ask uh, for some ways that an organization like that could um, continue to qualify for for a Cal Fire funds. Right. Let me make sure I understood your question. Yeah, Cal Fire has funded a lot of FUS projects. And now that we're looking for newer things, things that cost more, things that are perhaps harder to implement, you know, your concern is will that impede FUS ability to qualify for funding? Yeah, or, or could a nonprofit like evolve as fast, like over a period of four years or something, right? Like we have new Cal Fire 1, Cal Fire 2 grant areas that they, they had to focus on, and now we're moving into a different model. Um, it's it's a lot for uh, for that evolution to happen pretty quickly. Sure, yeah, and I appreciate you sharing that concern because that's, again, I'm not on the field and I'm not planting trees and I've never run a tree planting program, so I'm not familiar with the those challenges. But, uh, yeah, I, I'll have to think about that and maybe I'll have a follow-up conversation with Jesus because you have good insight into FUF and, uh, yeah, see how Cal Fire can <laughs> not leave I want to say leave up behind, but yeah, not evolve in ways that doesn't isn't compatible with our uh, traditional partners. So sounds like some of these grants are like one time new project. You're funding something. It's not maintaining renewable grant, uh, uh, and just like a special project that that's not. Um, yeah, it's, it's not like ongoing. You can't renew it. Right. Yeah, our funding, most of our funding, it needs to be fully invoiced by a set date, which could be one to six years out. So we can, although for our general grant program, we actually do fund three years of maintenance post grant expiration. So we could, and how that works is we actually give you a lump sum, lump, lump sum, or it's actually placed in a trust fund. I'm actually not sure on the exact mechanism, but basically you're insured three years of funding post grant. But yeah, if nothing's on going in perpetuity, in perpetuity. Okay. And I think you answer maybe, but you are pretty much tree focused. You prefer to have a tree focused project instead of just like, uh, and I mean, would it, Different definition of urban forestry, like greening, like is it shrub, grassland, and open space? Sure. Yeah, because urban forestry is. A, I'm sorry, I interrupt you. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, um, but you you would like you 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 I, I guess just looking for more like a tree focus projects. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're pretty siloed into trees because of the Urban Forestry Act, which is what our program governs our program. So there are other programs within the state that focus on other types of urban greening. So I think there's Cal EPA has an urban greening program. There's other program. I think there's another program that's we're under the California Natural Resource Agency. The agency actually has a program directly under them that does urban greening. But yeah, we're generally pretty very pro trees but there's exceptions like our school greening program 
green schoolyards program, we funded or hopefully will be funding a lot of non tree grading that's on schools. That schoolyard program is exciting. So I'm glad to hear about that. Um, I want to go back to something you said at the start about uh, how San Francisco it, it sometimes feels like we're behind, but we actually have a lot of good things going for us. Uh, and I was recently talking to an East Bay colleague uh, asking, like, can you send me copies of your your contracts? Because we want to try to replicate that. Gave me an appreciation for what we do have. But in terms of positioning ourselves where I recognize that we have a lot of funding compared to other cities, uh, but at the same time, some massive unfunded needs. Um, is there some advice that you would give for positioning or how we can um, um, be good candidates for some of these grant programs? Sure, your strength, right. Yeah, yeah, because comparing, you know, if we received a grant proposal for tree planting from San Francisco versus just trying to think of a example, you know, maybe Merced, you know, an impoverished community in the Central Valley that doesn't have a lot of development, there would be a bias. But I like back to the innovation thing. I think if oh, there's two things at play. So the reality is, yeah, San Francisco is a big city with a lot of political exposure and a lot of. Um, it's a big city. The city has a lot of weight, and so I think that definitely that will play a role. And then also, if you have organizations that do good work, and it's it honestly, it's really challenging to find good partners that are consistently able to perform. Like for example, that Fuff does. So I think you have that going for you, and we're always happy to fund. Uh, you know, a project that we know we're going to get 90% out of, I mean, that's definitely a plus. So I do think that's a plus, but then, yeah, again, the innovation thing, if you're able to propose new things, uh, yeah. more impoverished visitation Valley, I'm not sure what percent progress has been done in that area. I know there's a lot of projects going on, um, but you know, but to me, that's comparable to Merced. Not to rip on Merced, but I got a lot, a lot of good things going. I spent three months there in October. So, is there a website that spells out these programs? The grant program. Yeah. Uh, so our general grant program—that's the one that happens every year, pending state funding. That will be posted on our website when details are finalized. This kind of special projects thing. That's uh, work with me on that and get you the information. Could you give, um, could you, um, is there an actual date for the general uh, grant program or is that uh, TBD still? TBD. Yeah. If you could get, keep us in the loop when that. Sure. Yeah. You know, through, through Jesus, that would be nice. And then for the special projects funding, I'll take, I have some notes from today and if you have any, any other written up that I can take and help share around, that'd be great. Great. Yeah, thank you. And who's on your mailing list, Jesus? Is it? So it's every, pretty wide. Everyone here, which represents all the major landowning agencies in the city that manage trees. Um, right now, not Friends of the Urban Forest, the, but um, also a few other nonprofits, uh, federal, 
uh, not state, but I can, I have contacts that I can share, share basically anyone that, so it's pretty broad works with trees in San Francisco. I can reach. Yeah. Gotcha. Great. Uh, one quick questions. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, kind of, kind of the same question that Lou had because it's federal, you know, states. And I know in the past, some of those grants, you know, state couldn't really because state to state, you know, couldn't get to the grants, like not get to the grant, like grabbing it, but you know, uh, so we had to go through, you know, nonprofit and be, make sure we work with nonprofit. Um, are it still the cases, you know, we still have to, to, uh, partner. I know this, we can partner with the CD. I think move money can be moved grant money to the CD, for example. But, uh, you know, is that still the case? Uh, you know, uh, can, uh, there's a way to collaborate with multiple agency, maybe, uh, to get more things together because, uh, it gets to some of the grants. I, I applied for some in the past. It just get granular, no? Um, and so I'm wondering, you know, how, how this is still, uh, is that still happening? You know, what's some of the criteria, um, you know, because I know you, it's very important to have a nonprofit. <laughs> Are you saying <laughs> because you're, you're a state agency? Yeah, state agency, it's difficult to, yeah. So we can't apply directly for some of those grants. Some of them, some we can, some we can't, mm -hmm. you know, and, but we have to partner with the, with the city, yeah. uh, or the group, you know, so we have, we have a lot of groups here, you know, so, and I know there was some change, you know, that we had in the past and, uh, you know, so, you know, it's like reusing the wood in trees and things like that. Those are granted. They were there in the past. I don't know. I didn't check them yet. They're still there, but you know, uh, you know, I know. I remember Jimmy was all into building furniture, so I'm sure you are now. But, <laughs> but yeah. So is that still some of the requirements? You know. So you're with the state agencies. Am I understanding that correctly? Okay. And in the past, there was an issue. You couldn't apply for certain funding. You needed to work with a nonprofit. I need to work with nonprofit or the okay. Just off the top of my head, I would think the issue with that was because your match fund, you know, your match funding was the same as our project funding. So mm -hmm. that's maybe, well, I don't know. I, I don't know if that would be the case, but. You know, it depends on some of the, I can't remember all the ones we applied for, but, you know, we didn't do the one with the SQL, so. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't seen that criteria or anything that dealt with that when we were developing these grant guidelines. So we actually developed our grant guidelines back in January and February, and that's probably what we're going to use in the fall. And so, and that was actually open for public comment. I'm not sure if any of you were involved in that, mm -hmm. but yeah, I didn't see anything on that, but yeah, it sounds like a very specific situation. would be happy to address that for you on an email. Perfect. Thank you very much. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Can we, um, there's nothing else we could, can we open it up public? I have a quick question. Sure. Uh, sorry. Um, so I, I was just thinking about our nonprofits that don't work typically on like sidewalk trees, more. Um, so thinking about Sutro. Um, so like on public space. So like Record Park, our uh, so like friends of this park or like Sutro stewards here in the city. Uh, would the special funding project be able to fund 
like tree planting and tree work not on sidewalk so just off in open space so yes yeah as long as it you know if you can show that it benefits an urban population which it definitely would in san francisco that would work perfect thank you mm -hmm. all right i think we can uh, go to Okay. Are there any uh, members of the public in the meeting room tonight who wish to make a public comment on this item? And seeing none, we'll proceed to remote public comment. Members of the public participating remotely should now press star three to be added to the speaker queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it's your turn to speak. And we do have one caller in the queue. Hello, caller. You're unmuted. Your three minutes begin now. Thank you so much for briefing the Urban Forestry Council and the public on Cal Fire Grant. This is Susan Harrisoff, a San Francisco resident and a member of the California Native Plant Society. Please share and approve Cal Fire tree list with the public. I've been unable to find this list on Cal Fire's website. And what would it take for Cal Fire to commit to funding only local native trees and understory plantings with public funds um, and or on public lands to comply with the biodiversity goals of California's Natural Resources Agency's 30 by 30 program? For example, both CAL FIRE's urban greening programs and the new green schoolyards program both permit use of introduced plants, including moderate use water trees, in CAL FIRE's publicly funded landscaping. Introduced plants fail to feed insects that are co that co-evolved with our native plants, and these insects are the base of our food web. Moderate, moderate use water trees will fail if climate change reduces the amount of water that can be used to maintain trees. Please consider reviewing both the Portola Valley and the Woodside City commitments to planting only native plants. Calscape provides a list of local native plants within a 10-mile radius of every address in California. And please require that species planted with public funds are not on Cal, uh, IPC's list of invasive species. San Francisco Rec and Park and Urban Forestry Council, please use this offer of Cal Fire funding to write grants to remove the dead, dying, dangerous, and fire-prone invasive eucalyptus trees in various green spaces around San Francisco, including but not limited to McLaren Park and Twin Peaks. I am concerned about a repeat of the 2022 eucalyptus fire in McLaren Park. Only by replacing the invasive species with local native species can we provide the habitat for endangered and threatened species. San Francisco's oak woodland ecosystems demonstrate that they are degraded and failing because so many of their wildlife are threatened and missing. We have three locally rare butterflies. Um, fewer breeding birds nest in San Francisco every year, according to the Golden Gate Audubon Society's Breeding Bird Survey, because there are so few caterpillars to feed the baby birds. It takes 6,000 caterpillars to fledge one nest of baby birds. And we have rare native specialist bees who require pollen from native species for their larvae. Please, please fund only the planting of native plants and understory trees. Thank you so much for your attention. My comments are complete. Thank you for your comment. And see no additional callers in the queue. Public comment on this item is closed. All right. Thank you, Tanner. Great. Thank you. Yeah. See you next time. Thank you. All right. Okay, the next item is item seven, informational update and discussion regarding the impact of winter storms on the urban forest. The speaker is Nicholas Crawford, acting superintendent and Department of Public Works and vice chair of the Urban Forestry Council. 
This item is an informational update and discussion item. Hey, everyone. Uh, so I am hogging the floor tonight with two items, but this one will be brief. Um, I was going to change clothes for this, but I, I didn't have time. So uh, let, just to talk a little bit about the storms, I'd like to first open up with uh, recognition of the amazing work that our crews and contractors did. Uh, I was I was in the middle of it and it was it was a wild ride um, just when we thought it was over another storm was in the horizon and then that kept happening over and over again uh, but it meant a lot to get kudos from uh, our management from our mayor on our storm response so i was really proud of our team and i think it was a great showcase of the flexibility when we need to with our our contractors um, they were busy helping other agencies and trying to make time for us too, but also uh, when when we needed everything available, they sent it. So um, we had a ton of technical jobs that we handled safely. We had zero injuries for our team, which was fantastic. Uh, we had no lost time. We had two damage claims where our crew was working and we damaged stuff and I, I would like that also to be zero but all things considered uh could have been a lot worse and then uh the, this of course is not including all the cars that i'm sure we bought over the course of the winter but a lot of limbs down and in, in claims against the city but at least in our response we didn't make that uh any worse than it needed to be so just to go through the numbers, uh, as we're coming up in the end of the fiscal year, we, we started to do some preliminary um, uh, looks at our uh, reporting. We think that for the fiscal year, our crews will uh, have removed a total of 950 trees. Uh, and of that, we think 550 of those were regular maintenance uh, related things that we did throughout the year. So that gap of 400 trees is what we think uh, was storm related removals. So in the storm, I know I was saying we we had 900 plus in one storm. Of, I What I knew was a mix of trees and branches that were down. So to get some clarity around you know, it was really about 400 total tree failures, we think. Um, but then uh, a ton of, of limbs that came down um, on top of that. So we had our crews working where we have four internal crews. We would like to have more, um, but we're, we're um, waiting for our, our, our team to be ready to hire more arborists. And that hasn't happened yet, but I, I think that um, very soon it will will be resuming arborist hiring. But we had four contractors working with us on an emergency basis. The one small local business did twenty one thousand dollars in storm work for us, and then one um, one much larger contractor based in the East Bay did two hundred and forty one thousand in storm work for us. So uh, kicked in quite a bit of volume. Uh, I. It was the middle of the night. One of them called me saying, can we dump chips on sunset so we don't have to go all the way back to the East Bay? If we do that, we'll 
call it a night. I said, yeah, yeah, you can do that. And then they ended up lining off sunset with chips. Uh, and I didn't realize that I would have to call them back to say, you, can, you have to stop doing that. So I told them, they're like, okay, we'll stop, stop doing that. Uh, but we're repurposing those chips for our landscape work. And because a lot of that was from some chipping of some big wood, uh, really high quality chips, you can see that the bin of storm chips next to the chips that we pay for, and it's almost identical. If we took our regular like ficus chips um, from our daily work, it, it's, it's not something you'd want to use um, in a landscape area without composting. So I, I want to talk a little more um, uh, qualitatively about what we witnessed. So in the first waves of storms, so that was uh, start, really kicked off on uh, New Year's Eve. We saw primarily trees that I would consider borderline. So trees that had a lot of end weight. Okay, I, I can see that one snapping in high, in high winds, and it did. And we saw a lot of ficus and Chinese elm failures where, okay, in stressful situations, I can see that that tree losing a limb or going over. Um, we saw some where it could have been related to root pruning in the past that, you know, the tree was predisposed. Um, then there was a wave of plums and cherries that were leafing out. I thought that was an interesting spike where it was just one right after another. I think the pattern there was we had consistently high winds, but uh, normally those those trees spend like 11 months of the year with a handful of leaves on them. Uh, and they just got hit at the perfect time. They, they were flowering and leafing out and it was maximum sale factor essentially. And then the rest of the year, they can be their spindly selves and uh, wind passes right through them. And then there was another phase where we started losing trees that we never expected. And that was, I think the hardest for us because these were some really fantastic specimen trees that were going over and we attribute that to the ground saturation reaching a point where um, it, it really didn't matter the structure of the tree if it just couldn't hold because the soil was so soaked. Uh, and then we had bomb cyclone winds, um, at least in the 80 mile an hour plus range um, with some, some really powerful gusts. Uh, that even in the, the best of tree maintenance, you could have just pruned this tree uh, to best practices and it would still have have um, been destroyed by a storm of that magnitude. So, uh, Jesus, do you want to share some of the feedback that you got? And then uh, we're also talking about how this should definitely get um, compiled in the annual report with with these numbers and tell that story, but also uh, um, can share a little bit of what you got piecemeal. Uh, yeah, I received uh, a few bits of information from folks throughout the last few months. It sounded mostly like uh, everyone was still working on, on cleanup and taking care of what they've had to do. But I think the notes that I received mostly reflect what uh, you already said, so I don't want to add too much. Um, I do hope to um, include as much of this information um, more a more complete set as I as I start receiving more 
um, into the annual report this year. I think um, it might be more useful if other folks, other council members have any notes to, to add to this. Yes, any questions or um, things to contribute? So your your those numbers four hundred that you're mentioning was that's basically like uh, that's public works right and and the work that you guys had right. done so trees, there... tree trees medians and then open spaces excluding uh, PUC or rec park right so there's like a whole there's a whole probably a bunch of additional trees that were part of uh, PUC park rec all of those other agencies that are managing trees as well. Which again, I think I'm hoping we'll we'll try to get some additional information and clarity on what that means and it's part of the. I guess they can add what I have on on those failures now. Um, only have a few notes. Uh, I think uh, from the presidio, I received that about a hundred trees were lost. Um, similar uh, like notes as to what uh, Nick mentioned there, though. Um, SFSU um, had fourteen failures. Um, SFUSD had 12, but I'm not sure if those would be included in uh, the DPW number. No, uh, uh, we do. Um, we did quite a bit of work for the schools during the storm, so there could be overlap there. Yes. Um, and uh, the airport had eight tree failures, uh, but that's that's all I really have um, as far as. As those numbers, I don't, I haven't gotten much information from anyone else. Yeah, we got about 400. About 400. And monster trucks. On monster trucks? Monster trucks, yeah. Did you say 400? About 400, yeah. We didn't, we didn't remove all of that. So you have 400 failures, you think? Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, remember, monster truck is like 908 feet in yeah. the middle of the city, you know, so. Yeah. When the wind, the cyclone hit, uh, the the airport was saying seventy miles an hour wind, and most future we get hit probably like ninety miles an hour wind, yeah. eighty miles an hour wind. We had tree that flopped the other, the other on on the other side of the leaning side, that completely reversed. So the the wind was extreme, you yeah. know. So <laughs> no tree could hold this, you know. Uh, it's not not possible. Yeah, for, for us uh, at the port, we only have um, five trees that fell. Actually, it's fell because on one tree fell that took down the other four, a big giant eucalyptus in the park. Mm -hmm. But um, but uh, I see on Mission Bay, the, uh, the new Mission Bay, new planting, um, I guess it had been there maybe 15 years. The Chinese elm, there's a many, many failure. But they're saying private uh, property, and they removed it. I'm not sure whether I'm sure it's not in account for any of that. That data is just not been collected. Yeah. Thank you. I'll reach out to them directly. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll make sure to reach out to them directly. Thank you for noting that. Okay. And did you say that Rec and Park is not? You don't have stats on Rec and Park. No. I haven't received them. No. Yes, I is PUC. I think we're at eight failures throughout the cycle of the storms. And I do, I do want to point out, I don't want to gloss over the fact that Nick's crews did a fantastic job 
Um, they were out there for hours on end. I witnessed it. I was out with them. I saw the guys working nonstop, 12, 16 hour days. Um, and I think the way that those crews operate really attests to management supporting their crews and making sure they had all the tools they if, if the state's asking 12 hours max <laughs> <laughs> it should have been a second crew coming in that i saw using the same truck how's that yeah. yes i, I agree yeah. <laughs> so i think dpw is doing a really good job yeah. thank you and then there was one at the reservoir where we ran out there and you said you got it and you did yeah, a man of my word <laughs> that was one of the eight or eleven <laughs> did you say eight yeah eight. all right um we're uh there's no more question comments we can maybe open it up to the public are there any members of the public in the meeting room who wish to make a comment on this item and seeing none, we'll proceed to remote public comment. Members of the public participating remotely should now dial star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it's your turn to speak. We do have one caller in the queue. Hello, caller. You're unmuted. Your three minutes begin now. This is Susan Karras, office, San Francisco resident. Thank you so much for collecting and presenting the winter storm tree damage briefing to the public. I very much appreciate the long hours worked by San Francisco Public Works to remove the street trees from streets and public ways. I saw downed trees across the city. I do have two requests. Um, first, that in that next scheduled annual urban forest report, please include this information, including all of the tree species that failed during our winter storms, the number of tree species, trees per tree species that failed, and a map of the location of the failed trees. And second, please schedule an update of the San Francisco Street Tree List to consider removal of failing introduced tree species from the approved San Francisco Street Tree List, as well as removal of moderate water use trees and invasive trees from the approved San Francisco Street Tree List. Thank you again for all the hard work from you and your team. My comments are complete. Thank you, Susan. Thank you for your comment. And see no additional callers in the queue. Public comment on this item is closed. Nick is ready. We can go to the next uh, item. All right. The next item is item eight informational update and discussion regarding the Public Works Street Tree Nursery. The speaker is Nicholas Crawford, Acting Superintendent, Department of Public Works, and Vice Chair of the Urban Forestry Council. This is an informational update and discussion item. Able to share this screen? Yeah, here you go. Oh, yeah. Uh, Vice Chair Crawford, I do have the PDF um, on WebEx too. Okay. All right. All right. Is this my, okay, cool. All right. Well, 
switching gears. So I am really excited to talk about this today because uh, I, I told you the last time that I wasn't going to come back here unless I had news to share and I wasn't just going to say it's coming. Keep waiting. It's coming. So uh, we, we have we have some significant updates to share and I didn't want to wait any longer and leave you feeling like heck, Nick, why didn't you tell us all this was happening? So uh, I think now is actually perfect timing to give you uh, the final design and share where we're at in construction. Um, if you were to drive by the site today, it looks exactly the same as it did a month ago. So it's it's one of those things that's happening like a lot in the background. And we're about to spend all of this money in three months. So if you want to go by uh, in a month and then another month and then another month, you're going to think, oh my gosh, Nick, that's, that was so fast. So I'm excited about this. So uh, I'm going to just give a little bit of background uh, on the project. Is that updating? Okay. Oh, there's a little lag. Or are you doing that? Uh, I'm doing it up here. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. Just say next slide whenever you're ready. No wonder. <laughs> but um, I, did did you save those? Because I added a couple more slides while I was up there with some new photos. Do you want to? Do you want to pull? Um, this is the copy you sent. Um, I think five minutes before the meeting started. Yeah, I added a few. Could I share, or they, the people on WebEx wouldn't be able to see it? Um, they would not be able to see it. That's correct. Do you want to? Do you want to just re-export the? Because I it's in it's a live um, link. Sorry to do this to you. Um, we can take a look um, with the chair's permission. Just one moment. So on that on that link I sent you. I added um, a couple of pictures from today. Are you able to send them the copy of the other right now? Yeah, it's if you click the link, it'll should have these new pictures in it. Oh, oh, so you did send this copy? Like it's the same link, but if if you were to click it now and export PDFs now, it, it would have those new slides okay. on it. Sorry, a moment. Can I keep riffing on the topic? Okay, but I won't talk to the slides until we're, we're back up and running. So, um. Just to give you a, a, an update on what happened today. So we had our partnering meeting, which was our first chance to sit down at the table with uh, the design team, who's basically winding down what they've been doing with the, the planning. And we handed it to our contractor, who is um, going to deliver on the, the grading, the site work, and then bring in the um, the container offices and uh, our, our construction management team, uh, we needed an all-star to really run that. And they assigned uh, someone who I've worked with before 
doing uh, South Park. If you've if you've seen that, it's a beautiful project. So some great leadership that they've assigned to this project, which I appreciate. So I feel like we have a lot of of um, a lot riding on this for us as a department, as a bureau. Um, this is a milestone accomplishment for urban forestry in the city. And as a result of that, we think that we, we really need to deliver um, in, in a way that inspires and sparks that imagination. Uh, already we're seeing um, uh, the politicians and leadership Real, you know, saying this is a good example. So when it's built, it better it better deliver on those promises. <laughs> Sorry about this. I added some pictures from this afternoon, which I think it'll be worth. Thank you so much. That was some of the fastest clicking I've ever seen. So, yeah. thanks for your patience. All right. So, you can go to the next slide. All right. So, uh, I won't belabor these early points. You've seen the site uh, before and what our what our plans were uh, from a bird's eye view, but to give you a sense of place, this is on Fifth Street between Bryant and Harrison. It's bordered by the the uh, uh, approach and uh, off ramp from the uh, Bay Bridge. This is genuinely like the the western end of Interstate 80, which will traverse across the country from here. We feel like it's a really cool starting point uh, for something like this. Can go to the next slide and keep going. So, this really originated with the uh, urban forest plan in 2015. We put in the plan uh, our our idea for a life cycle of of trees. You can go to the next slide. We talked about planting, growing trees, caring for them as they establish, maintain, or as they reach the point where. Uh, they're at the end of their life, removing them, finding ways to capture that that wood, reuse it in a um, meaningful way. And this this nursery focuses on those those first two steps of that phase. Okay. Our inspiration comes in, in large part from the uh, the legwork that was done in San Jose by our city forest. So if you've ever visited that site, it's next to the uh, the airport there, 
it is a, a, a really modest enterprise, but it, it is functioning at a very high level, producing 2,000 trees a year um, that go into uh, streets and even because of their, their program is a little different, even backyards and um, uh, donated opportunities in San Jose. So we saw what they were doing. They did, they really worked out a lot of the kinks and we wanted to bring that over. Next slide. So this is baked into our, the core of our program to bring us from 125,000 street trees to 155,000. And by growing them, we think this is, this is gonna meet one of those um, pathways needed. Okay, you guys know all this stuff. So the, the concept, started with this and John Sway, who's our project lead on this, he's just done an amazing job. But he's like he said, spending the money on this concept design was the best $40,000 ever because it really sparked the ideas behind it. You can go to the next slide. Um, because people weren't able to quite conceptualize what this was. But once we could show that this was a way to have street trees for plantings. We can grow them locally that are acclimated to our climate and also create jobs along the way. So this isn't just like removing encampments from a blighted area, but this is about creating workforce development opportunities to really connect uh, folks who are disenfranchised with a workforce pathway. Next slide. So our search for this was had some humble beginnings because we were trying to think what could we do with a hundred thousand dollars to build a street tree nursery uh, we had a donated trailer from sfmta uh that was at church in debos or market in debos if you've been over there at the end of the tracks um i will tell you we fortunately did not go with this route uh but we were prepared to see what could, what could we do with a really modest uh budget Next slide. And the, the concept drawings, as we showed more and more people, people got more and more excited about this and wanted to contribute to it. And the, the mayor put in some money initially in capital funding. And then we went to, uh, uh, you can go to the next slide. We went to, um, actually, we'll keep going to the next slide. But these are some more of those concept drawings. But there was some momentum building behind this. News stories got out that, hey, there's this idea for the site. Uh, can go to the next slide. And it culminated in this Clean California grant, which was a uh, Caltrans grant program. And it was a way to fund green initiatives uh, that would have net carbon benefits and be able to uh, fund our program while also meeting some of their objectives. So this, this really snowballed in a, um, in a cool way to have uh, more folks get involved and want to contribute. So as that happens, as we were able to get more grant funding uh, with John's uh, really excellent grant writing skills, the expectations of the project started to grow and grow. And when you have 100,000 or 200,000 and you deliver a project that's shabby but functional, people are like, okay, that's cool. You did a good job with what you had. But when you get millions of dollars, those expectations start to grow and people want to see something that's really fantastic. So that that's where we're at. Okay, next slide. So the governor 
didn't tell us that he was going to the site, but he grabbed one of our printouts and talked to the news and said, this is going to happen. We were like, yeah. oh my gosh. <laughs> so we were, we were excited about, by that momentum and growing expectations too. Okay, next slide. So as far as things that are happening in San Francisco, I don't have to tell you about the latest news, but we have a, a doom loop. Um, we went from June gloom to doom loop really quickly. And people are talking about the death spiral of San Francisco and uh, like what's going to happen. So I, I think we've yet to see hard evidence of, of that coming, but uh, we'll, why not buck this trend with with some good news? And as far as a, a an opportunity to showcase the good things that are happening here, we have the APEC summit, which is coming this fall. So we expect to have Asian leaders, world leaders, um, in San Francisco for this conference. Uh, potentially heads of state of several uh, Asian countries, and I think it's going to be a fantastic opportunity to show good things that are happening here, but it's also yet another reason why we feel the eyes are on us. So uh, we're very aware of that. We want to have this in a, uh, we want to have this open and functioning by that date. Okay, next slide. And you can go through these pretty quickly. I think it's kind of animated. So these are the things that we're trying to pull together. Um, go to the next slide. This is a good spot. So uh, we have, on the left, what we're trying to achieve um, on the functional side of things, and on the right, really sparking the, the imagination behind this. Uh, and initially, with that small budget, you can only do the left side. But with more funding, we should also be able to do the right side. And click one more time. So we have this tension right now where there's um, that, like, how can it be functional? and beyond budget while also being a really special cool place so that's what we're trying to navigate and i'll show you where we're at okay next slide so nobody's dreaming that this is the perfect location for uh activation on the site so we're very aware of the real challenges uh we've had the fence up uh for for about a year now and it's been under siege. We've got folks prying open the gates with a bike frame or here that's a two by four wedged in there trying to open up the gate. Um, we had barricades around that tripping hazard there and it got repurposed into uh, an encampment and then the encampment started on fire and it burned up the pole. So I don't think that that's gonna go away once we have a nursery, I think that's we're going to have some street conditions that we'll have to to work with, but I think that there's also an opportunity for the neighbors to feel engaged and feel protective of of this site and see this investment and opportunity. So, what we want to build is that that sense that this this is ours and we want to take care of it. Okay, and in the midst of this, we have lupin growing. It's beautiful. It, there's the serenity in the middle of all of this, which is uh, just powerful at, at the same time. So we're, this is what we're balancing. Okay, next slide. So I just wanna talk uh, briefly about our timeline and our budget. So for substantial completion, meaning light switches work, 
the offices are, are there, the bathrooms are functional. It's not a construction site. October 1st is our, our um, deadline. And then final completion, meaning landscaping is in, and we've got trees growing on the site, irrigation getting set up and all of that um, November 1st. Uh, we have two funded city staff positions there, which is a massive win. It's very difficult to get uh, new positions approved, so glad to have that. Um, we had our interviews for one of those positions last Friday. Um, hope we get a great person in there and then uh, the other position we're also hiring for. So we have uh, our intent, we're at the stage where we intend to award our workforce development grant to a nonprofit partner. They'll have about 25 workforce development participants on site. So we'll have one nursery specialist and then a lot of folks helping. And I think for us, we feel that we need to make sure that uh, that team works really well together. Our city forest was all about disease management. And if you screw that up, you could lose all of your trees. So be sure to bake, bake that into our work practices there. So the total budget between city funds and Caltrans Clean California grant is almost $5 million. So we grew a lot in uh, terms of budget and scope. And when we had ideas that we couldn't fund, Caltrans was fantastic and said, yeah, we'll give you another million dollars. Don't cut that from the project, which was uh, really wonderful. We have a lease for the site uh, for 99 years, so we, we expect to be there. It's the best lease deal in the city. You have that for 500 a month, um, but it's a lot of work to take care of. It's going to be expensive. We're kicking in another 400,000 a year annually out of the uh, city budget to to pay for the um the the functioning of this site okay next so these are the uh the the plans this is uh fresh came out last night and we needed to have it to hand to our contractor for our meeting this morning so uh let me just let me just talk through what what it's going to be so on the left um in the very, very sharp corner there, it's going to be uh, um, more of the business end of things where we'll have uh, uh, tool storage, be able to um, size up pots and things like that. Um, the functionality of the site is certainly subject to change, but that's what we were envisioning. That shaded area is uh, the entryway, so you'll be able to drive a vehicle in on the left side and then do a loop through that uh, dotted area and then out on the right side. Uh, the gate has a, a sensor so that your RFID tag and your truck opens the gate as you pull in and immediately underneath those that freeway calling or underneath the freeway on that side, we'll have staging for uh, soil um, and mulch materials, gravel, things like that. Then as you drive into the site, uh, we would like to at some point have a hoop house up on that top left corner, but it's not part of our our budgeted um, phase yet, but uh, they're pretty inexpensive. We think we could add one at a later date. Uh, and then at the top of that is the uh, the top of the, the nursery area with those rows of trees uh, under there. So we initially had the trees going the other direction and then 
when we realized the winds blow this way, we decided to go the other way after consulting with our city forest. Uh, but we'll have stub up irrigation on each end and then be able to run uh, water lines through there so that uh, the, the trees get water. We'll have uh, stakes that'll support the trees so they don't blow over. Um, and then as you loop around in that bottom right corner where it's got that softer corner, there's a there's there's an on ramp, and for a couple hours a day, people are going zero to one mile an hour. So they'll have a great chance to look at our our fence there and get some green washing. We'll have messaging on the on the uh, fence there, explaining what the site is, the value of trees, the purpose of this. Um, really captive audience stuck in traffic. So we're we're looking to take advantage of that opportunity. But that bottom corner is going to be a playland area for uh, children be able to touch reclaimed wood, um, be able to uh, see the, really the whole life cycle of a tree. Um, that that's going to have a lot more potential down the road. Um, but it's it's a sunny spot and I think it'll be uh, really valuable for for those educational opportunities. Then again, we're underneath the freeway, and it, that center bottom area has got our office, which um, is a you know two shipping containers merged together. And I'll show you another picture of that. But um, if we go to the next slide, it's a zoomed in view of this. So the office there, two containers, and then there's a vertical one with text over it. So that's Got a, a two bathrooms and a break room and a little uh, utility room. So we'll, it'll be well staffed for well stocked for bathrooms. And I think given the number of people we expect to be there, uh, it'll feel like it's it's ready to support that. Um, the office is is uh, going to have a large classroom area uh, with a screen on the wall, things like that, and a small office tucked in the corner. For the folks that work on site. So then that whole gray area has a pergola, which is like this sloped roof, um, which which will give that shade because it's such an exposed area. You're gonna want to have some protection from the elements if it's raining or super sunny. Um, and it, it'll be it'll it'll be uh, softened up with some cool. This is a new word for me, catenary lighting, so string lighting for lay people, but it'll look um, more comfortable and less like imposing. Um, plus that that pergolas um, is going to soften that up quite a bit. So great outdoor classroom area for those workforce development folks getting training. They'll have indoor outdoor classroom opportunities with a deck. We're repurposing. Um, uh, granite curbs that have been pulled up from around the city and stashed on Treasure Island for years, maybe decades. And it's going to be built into the surrounding area as part of the grading plan. I think that's going to help bring in some of those like uh, real original San Francisco um, uh, design elements. All right, can you go to the next slide? All right, so this is John this afternoon. He sent me these pictures. But the containers are being constructed, and you, you really get the sense that these are not some used shipping containers. These these are really uh, uh, that innovative design, and it's beautiful. It's it's modern. So uh, on this side, it's going to have a a glass wall 
where John is standing to close that off. And because that would be a massive security issue, given the location, uh, there's a sliding secure steel door that will close across there and, and um, um, secure that. So this container um, is actually, you can see this, uh, I'll run over. For those remote, I just illustrated, there's a little seam in the middle there. So um, uh, we'll have a little kitchenette on the left there and then the entryway on the right. So you can go to the next slide. But uh, here's that other entrance, basically the opposite of, of where we were looking. And then that orange container is the, the bathroom one. So they're kind of staged the way they will be on the site. You can kind of picture that, that proximity. So you can go to the next slide. So it, that's not enough. We, we, it's got to look jazzy. <laughs> it's got to look like um, uh, something that, that's more than just an industrial uh, container. So we have uh, an artist with the planning department helping us with some graphics here. And I love what they did here. So they've, they've got um, some art that's going to go on the columns. We, We've been back and forth with Caltrans about what they will and won't let us do on the columns, but uh, certainly wrapping the containers with um, the messaging so you know what this is when you go by there. And the, this design, by the way, with the, the pergola uh, has morphed a bit from here, but you can get a sense of like, how that's going to look in the site. Of course, there's a fence going around here, but um, you, you, can, you can visualize. Okay, next slide. So I just uh, wanted to close with a run through of of the history of this site going way, way, way back. So this was a marshy area for um, indigenous peoples in San Francisco. This was probably about the point where, you know, it was the, the coastline um, historically and since been filled in. But uh, this area has been used for, for centuries, years, for millennia. Okay, I can go to the next slide. And then uh, after the 1906 earthquake, they created this, this plaza as the um, um, uh, uh, Soma District, and the, uh, the Bay Bridge was built in 1933 and 1936 with this triangular ground level, street level plaza. Um, as the on and offers, which is it's kind of mind-boggling to me that that's how it used to look, but uh, it it has been that triangle-shaped uh, park for quite a long time uh, in our history. Okay, can go to the next slide, and actually the next next one. So you can see these uh, aerial photos giving you a, a sense uh, how over 1938, 56. Um, and then uh, there's a, a, an improvement in um, 2011, I think, where there was a, a, a new landscape installed. It was not fenced, and it, it got overrun with a lot of activity, and the, the irrigation got repurposed and damaged the lighting and so on. So it, it was a cool idea, but what, what we don't want to do is have yet another activation here that doesn't make it. So we wanted to make it a, 
a more secure site, and the, the fence is a big part of that. Um, you can see the original plan shows that plaza there since has been uh, demoed, and we're, we've retained the plaques from the plaza, and we'll be reinstalling those at the end of the project. Okay, next slide. And actually, this is more background, but I'm running out of voice here, and uh, it's getting late, so we can go to the next slide. So uh, just this is my last slide. I, I just wanted to tie in how this is um, part of a vision for using all of those parcels uh, under and between those the freeway there in Soma. So we felt like this is a chance to set the bar for the um, for the future developments to not just be like a, okay, it, ha it has a fence and a function, but to say it can be beautiful and um, and and uh, innovative. And we hope that the, the other ones that come along, whether it might be a skate park or other recreational opportunities, um, that they'll also be able to blend in with that same kind of of uh, of of utilization and create opportunities for for perhaps workforce development or neighborhood engagement uh, in the same way. So that's my presentation. Um, open it up. Question. Questions. Yeah, thank you. Um, so Nick, great presentation. So exciting to see it um, happening and, and great update. And it, and it looks fantastic, um, but we haven't talked much about what the purpose of the project is and what you're going to be able to do there that you couldn't do before. I assume this isn't just about you're not saving money. This isn't about getting trees cheaper than we could get elsewhere. This is about um, finding trees that are well adapted to San Francisco that are hard to find otherwise. So can you talk a little bit about that and um, maybe what your ideas are along those lines? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think um, we initially set out for the more humble uh, just Grow trees, maybe we could get five gallon trees and size them up to 15 um, with a job trailer on site, something like that. Um, and some of the, like, the greater purpose behind it came along uh, as things picked up momentum. So we, we could have done this without having it open to school groups or inviting the public to come in and participate. Um, so I, I definitely think that like that core purpose has stayed, but we've added in some of these other um, engagement opportunities thanks to the the support that we got. But we we do want to have something that um, provides locally grown trees and can allow us to source stuff that we we can't just buy out of a catalog. And we've seen um, the trends of of being. Like really beholden to whatever's in the nursery inventory um, based on like, what's easy for them to grow or what they're able to like, um, do in a profitable way because they're a business. And I think for us to have a dedicated space to, to be more experimental and say, like, we want to grow this because it would be good for us, not because it's um, going to be commercially viable. Uh, creates this opportunity for us too, but also um, I, I think that, that there's a potential to partner with um, other, <laughs> excuse me, should have brought water. Yeah. 
Um, I should have had a shorter presentation. Um, but I think that we can partner with, with Sutro Stewards or Literacy for Environmental Justice where they've done some of the initial propagation and then they don't have the scale to do um, larger sizes. So they tend to want to stop around one gallon or five gallon trees. We can have a longer um, development window. But I, I think um, that that there's uh, still some some work that we're going to have to do to network with uh, providers so that we could get bare root that's been started and then um, uh, keep it growing. But uh, we've we've heard great things from Matt Ritter with Cal Poly, uh, who is very very generous, saying like. I'll grow whatever you want. Just send me the seeds and I'll grow them and I'll send them to you. So I think that this is going to facilitate some of those connections and be able to um, do some things that we never would have been able to do otherwise. Um, but I, I think that that for the time being, I've been really focused on building it. And then as soon as this is done, like this, this three month sprint, we'll be able to focus on like you know, the, the real nuts and bolts of it, but uh, you're asking great questions and I, I look forward to solving those problems very soon. Maybe a return visit after some. Yes, yeah. definitely. Um, but, um, thanks, Nick. Um, I was just thinking that a lot of the success of the space, as you said, will depend on reclaiming it and activating it. And I was wondering how much of that budget, 400,000, um, you know, um, you have a fairly robust program for educating and, and reaching out to community or partnering. Um, I guess the question is, is it, is it all figured in to your annual operating budget? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think the, the 400,000 was, you know, that's what we got. So we'll, we will make it work. Uh, there's also, um, uh, other funding sources that we have that if if it would be appropriate to use there we could um i think one limiting factor is the um the property funded street tree sf is really not um something that that would would be applicable here because it's so focused on tree maintenance and uh we take that seriously i don't if we get audited on on those funds i want to make sure that it's certainly tied to maintenance, um, but there's potential with uh, reclaimed wood or something like that, where we, if we added um, some some more things that we do here at this site, that it could be funded from other areas. Uh, but it, it, I, I feel good about the 400,000 funding those those core positions and uh, being able to use grant funding for our uh, workforce development program. So. The, those things, I think, um, will will be well supported by by what we have, and if if we do more, we can use other funding. It's pretty exciting. Uh, yeah. uh, um, congratulations! This is amazing. I I know the project from the beginning because you know we're collaborating with. It's a, it's like a five year gestation period. Yeah. 
Um, I'm very, very happy to see that you guys were able to um, include a lot of other aspects of the project besides just the play nursery, which would have been great already. And um, I really like the, not like, but I really appreciate the area for kids. I think it's uh, probably a nature exploration area, right, with natural play, which is, at this point, there are many in the city, but it's very innovative also bringing nature and parts of trees to kids to learn and, and play mostly. So that's amazing. And uh, also, I was wondering about um, the opportunity for art, like you were talking about the arrival point from the freeway. It's really visible, right? So um, have you guys, I, I think you touched upon it a little bit, but do you have some funny or you're going to apply for grants to have artists? Like this could be... Once you secure the land, as you were saying, I think it's an opportunity to experiment both from an ecological point of view, but maybe art, artist, yeah. art point of view too. So I hope that you guys are going to consider that. I don't know if you already are, but... I think that that fence is going to be a great canvas for a yeah. lot of opportunities, both to show things inside and outside. Yeah. Um, and I was expecting to get more restrictions from Caltrans on what we could do with that. And they've been really flexible. So this is also, I mean, this is a little bit slightly outside the, the urban force, but, but it is a great precedent. You're doing a great job to um, make it easier for many other people in the city because uh, this land was negotiated right with Caltrans through uh, AB um, 57, was it called? Yeah, I can't remember. That's the, right. the, yeah. So where you you know can be rented by the city for cheaper than other uh, parties, although it's not easy. So we were we didn't know what the boundaries were of this agreement, and now we can see that this is the more you can put in, the more it can be a precedent for the other vision that you have. That's mm -hmm. really amazing, and will be greening as well, right? So more trees under the freeway. So it's become like a it can become really a great model for the city itself. It's a new thing that has been talked yeah. about for a long time. So I'm very excited. Thanks Thank so much you. for all your work. Yeah. And to that point I think that there is energy on the Caltrans side too because they were spending so much in their resources to respond to that site and do frequent cleanups. So for for the city to say like well with some investment from you we can uh, be the caretakers of that site so it's not um, draining on their resources too. Exactly. Thanks. Great job. Congrats. And Nick, uh, like, congratulations for what you guys been doing on this all those years. Yeah, I will say, you know, this uh, one great benefit to do this, it's, you know, count the, the issue with starting tree and getting tree from miles away from the city. You know, we talk about carbon sequestration with trees and everything, but when we start with trees that we bought in yeah. far away, that we had to track in and things like that. So we already start with carbon sequestration negative when we get our trees here in the city. This is an opportunity to hopefully you get start, you have more, you grow as you the, the operation grow, you do more seed yeah. grow, uh, more cutting grows and things like that. And uh, but that's a great opportunity for this because that's uh, one of the things we don't always think about is like how far we have to bring those trees. A lot of the nursery are pretty far, especially some specialty trees that we always look for. And most of them are from SoCal. They grow somewhere in Arizona. In SoCal, we have to bring them some really far away. So this is a great opportunity for getting close to carbon zero on those trees, especially at the beginning. Yeah. I agree. Thank you.
So there are a lot of people who could have been here to present this and uh, I am the spokesperson here. So uh, thank you. I will go back and share with with the, the team uh, your kind words. So thank you so much. Um, but major credit goes to uh, John Sway for really picturing this potential applying for the grants to to get the funding for it. And uh, our, our leadership support to make this happen, we, we thought like we were talking and Chris Buck and I were talking and he he remembers this and he was like, oh man, that's a great idea. But we show it to our bosses and it's going to we're going to see this dream die in the in a conference room. Uh, and it didn't, we, you know, we showed it to people and they said that could work and they're like, really, it could work. And then it, it just started to grow legs and, um, that that's been powerful. I, I think the, the mayor's direct support and the governor's, um, you know, grabbing that sheet with the news camera, just, it, it helps on all levels to, uh, to have that support. So I'm, I, I feel like, you know, we're, we might be running across the finish line, but it's, it has been a lot of uh, uh, wind at our back, so very grateful for that. Are there any members of the public in the meeting room who wish to make a public comment on this item? And seeing none, we'll proceed to remote public comment. Members of the public participating remotely who wish to make a public comment on this item should now dial star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it's your turn to speak. And we do have one caller in the queue. Hello, caller. You're unmuted. Your three minutes begin now. It's Susan Karasoff, San Francisco resident, uh, California Native Plant Society, and woohoo! Good work. This looks amazing. You know I want all locally grown native plants with our local genetics. So thank you so much. This looks amazing. Ton of work. I you pulled it off. I'm looking forward to visiting the site. Thanks so much. My comments are complete. Thanks, Susan. And seeing no additional callers in the queue, public comment on this item is closed. And with that, we can proceed to item nine. Uh, staff report on recent work performed by the Urban Forestry Program on behalf of the Urban Forestry Council. The speaker is Jesus Lozano, Urban Forestry Council coordinator. This item is for discussion. Well, I'll be brief. I know we're running pretty late, uh, so I just First of all, start the, the thank yous to all of you that have been tolerating me bugging you for uh, longer meetings and just like informational interviews has been super helpful for how I've been kind of framing the future of our discussions here at the Council and um, I've also been reaching out to a lot of uh, folks outside of our Council. Um, hoping to um, widen our, our reach um, and thank you for folks like Tanner for coming in and also saying yes to a random meeting like that. Uh, I, I really appreciate that. Um, I've also been doing some other climate action plan, um, but urban forestry council related items. I'm working with uh, public works on um, taking a look at our native oaks. Um, the, I think that we recently um, was presented on here, but we're doing a little bit more on that. Going to revisit those soon. 
Um, and also getting geared up to uh, get the new um, urban forest report, annual urban forest report done. Um, again, I remind you it's our 20th edition of the annual urban forest report. Um, I've been going through all of our older reports and trying to get um, uh, some some narrative threads uh, to to hopefully make this one a special one and and be able to make some some strong messaging out of it. If there's anything you'd like to to pitch to tell as a story as a part of this this report, I would really greatly appreciate that. Um, um, yeah. Uh, just, also, for everyone that's been really great about me bugging them about the storm impacts and, and and a bunch of other smaller items, but yeah, I'll I'll leave it there. Thank you. Um, I think we can move forward unless y'all have questions or comments. Okay, with that, we can open it up to public comment. Are there any members of the public in the room who wish to make a comment on this item? And seeing them, we'll proceed to remote public comment. Members of the public participating remotely wish to make a public comment on this item, should press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it's your turn to speak. And seeing none, public comment on this item is closed. Okay, we can proceed to item 10, Urban Forestry Council member announcements. This item is for discussion. Anyone have any announcements coming? I just wanted to share an off agenda item as an announcement. So we did submit a 38 million dollar uh, inflation reduction act application. Uh, so we hope that funds tree planting um, and fills some holes for our our budget because we, we according to the mayor's budget, it looks like our um, tree planting support will get cut pretty heavily on the capital side. Um, reflecting the tightening budget conditions at a city level, but uh, hope the IRA will come through. We'll, we'll see. Uh, and then I also want to announce that we hired a new urban forestry inspector, and we have two more um, going through pre-employment. So our inspector team was really short-staffed, and they play a key role in our um, urban forest management. So. I'm excited that we'll not only be fully staffed, but we'll have one additional position, which uh, we think was was really needed. We have an announcement. Uh, we started at Monsutro Wood Decay um, Research. It's going to take about two years uh, with UC Berkeley, um, just to kind of respond to some of the decline of the tree and some of the, you know, looking uh, a little bit deeper or more on a scientific uh, detail of some of the issues that we have at Monsutro. So we just started uh, a month ago. Uh, so it's going to take a long time to gather the data. Uh, we have students coming every day, uh, gather data, taking trees and putting number on it and taking a sample. And, um, Hopefully in about a year, uh, we will have something, we'll have someone coming here, maybe explain some of the first data that uh, they collected from uh, Mateo. 
Yeah. It's great. Awesome. There's no other uh, announcements that anything opened up. Okay, are there any members of the public in the room who wish to comment on this item? Seeing none, we'll proceed to remote public comment. Members of the public participating remotely who wish to comment on this item should press star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it is your turn to speak. And seeing none, public comment on this item is closed. The next item is item 11, new business future agenda items. This item is for discussion. Council members may introduce new items for future consideration by the council. Um, the only agenda item, I, I know you mentioned the annual report, and I'm curious where you get that on, maybe the upcoming, uh, just a report out on like where, where we are with it. So that, I know we're always having, it seems like we have a, a perennial problem with the uh, getting the reports yeah issued out on time so yeah um i can do regular updates on the report until it's complete um since we're just coming to the close of the fiscal year i'll be um sending out the uh surveys at the end of the week um uh in a slightly new format hopefully a little easier to complete for everybody um but uh, yeah, uh, definitely. Would you say they're going out the, the end of this week? Yeah. Is that the end of the video? Okay. The, I imagine reporting would not be ready for that since activities are still going on. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, hoping to have that closer to on time this, this year. Yeah. Uh, for, um, for new business or future agenda, I'd, I'd like to see if we can hear from the letter that we submitted to the mayor about funding. Yeah. You know, so if we could have somewhat a answer, <laughs> yeah. you know, like really a answer of the read it, you know, yeah. uh, if the, the, the office of the mayor read it and if they have any comments, um, that would be great that yeah. to have like an email or something. Okay. Yep. So follow up on the hearing Nick that his budget is going to get reduced, you know, and right. also budget are going to get reduced, you know. So, um, you know, I know we submitted a, you know, a good letter requesting yeah. adding more funding. So um, keep pushing. That's yeah. gonna <laughs> like just keep pushing. And then, you know, if we did, we could have. A communication and answer would would y'all be interested in uh like updating the letter with this annual urban forest report with new figures i know that i mean the numbers wouldn't change too much but does it sound appropriate to with this check-in also kind of frame a, a second I, letter? i don't know all the legal process you know if there is you know so we can, we can double check you know, because okay. we're supposed to advise, but I don't yeah. know if they're supposed to reply, respond. respond. Like, yeah. So, so just to make, you know, see, maybe you check with Seattle on it. What's, yeah. What's, what's, what's the process? Yeah. What, what, we're, we're still short on funding. We're still short on trees. Yeah. Ringing that bell, but, you know, yeah. It'd be nice to know what in response. 
Another idea for the future, I don't know if it's an agenda item or just a report maybe from the chair, but we, we have some vacancies on this council, Yeah, some key ones, and it's been a long time since Fuff's been here. Um, so maybe hearing hearing on that topic. And I also know some really excellent candidates that are that have volunteered for the council and maybe hear, hearing about what the process is and, and um, kind of prospects for some. Okay, we'll make sure and bring that back next time because I know we've been trying to get people in front of the soups and trying to get that process underway. I know there was hope that we'd have maybe a couple more candidates and um, um, submit for the council. But yeah, I think the FUF, the FUF item in particular, the FUF um, representative in particular would be really, has been missed here. And I think we really need to get somebody back on. And I know we have at least another couple of other candidates that have submitted applications. So we should definitely bring something back and make sure we know at yep. least what's going on when we will have those seats filled. Absolutely. Thank you. If there's no other items, I think we can uh, open it up. Okay. Are there any members of the public in the room who wish to comment on this item? And see now we'll proceed to remote public comment. Members of the public participating remotely who wish to comment on this item should now dial star three to be added to the queue. For those already on hold in the queue, please continue to wait until it is your turn to speak. And seeing none, public comment on this item is closed. We can proceed to item 12, adjournment. The meeting is adjourned. The time is 8.09 p.m. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.